And I'm going to be reminding you this uh, throughout the day today, and that is the fact that uh, this week we have a change in our schedule. Wednesday is changed to Tuesday, and we're going to have a missionary with us on Tuesday night, one of our missionaries that's going to come back and report to us. So let's not forget that schedule change. All right, first, second, third graders, you can go to your class at this time. Also the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, you can head to your class and the seventh through the twelfth graders. So all of the classes are dismissed. And that leaves us. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see each of you here. And if you have your Bible, uh, please take it and turn to the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles and chapter number 18 is where I'd like us to read out of this morning. And there are times I know reading God's word where the Bible just becomes alive and you can get into a story. And uh, I will say this past week, as I was reading this passage of scripture, uh, it is such a great story. And at, I almost just want to keep, I, we could just take the time to read these chapters and uh and there's just so much in them so much history but also detail and information and um and so i'm going to probably read a good portion of chapter 18 here second chronicles chapter number 18 and beginning in verse number one the bible says now jehos Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together the prophets, four hundred of them, and said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord, besides that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he had never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat there, uh, sat uh, either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes, and they said, or they sat in a void place. At the entering of the gate of the Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Cheneah, 
had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And so you can kind of see we're in verse number 12. Here Jehoshaphat is uh, the king uh, there in Judah in the south. This is uh, at a time when uh, the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. Uh, Israel being the northern kingdom there ruled at this point by King Ahab. And then in the south you have Judah uh, ruled by King Jehoshaphat. And we're reading about uh, an alliance that is formed between them and Uh, You may recall after King Solomon died, that's when the kingdoms were divided here. But uh, let's pick up, because the story just gets more and more interesting here, in verse number 12. Okay, At this point, the two uh, kings are together, and Ahab is saying, Will you, Jehoshaphat, will you guys go to battle with us? And Jehoshaphat said, Yes, but let's ask for God's guidance. Let's ask for God's guidance. So Ahab... uh, gathered up 400 of his prophets, these were false prophets, and asked them, and of course they're just telling Ahab what he wants to hear. Ahab wanted to go to battle. But Jehoshaphat, and we're going to get into this, said, well, let's actually ask, uh, let's ask a prophet of Jehovah. Let's ask a prophet of of God. And so um, he said, do you have any of those up here? And he said, well, there's one. His name's Micaiah, but I hate him. And uh, we go. It goes on, and now we're talking about Zedekiah, um, and um, verse number twelve. I, I want to read a little bit more because it'll help you understand what is going on. The Bible says in verse number twelve, and the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, "Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king, with one assent." All 400 of these prophets are saying the same thing. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs. So he's saying, say this to the king. Here's your message. Verse 13, And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. Verse 14, And when he was come to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go go ye up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to the house in peace. And the king of Israel, that's Ahab, said, to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that, that, that he would not prophesy good unto me but evil? See, I told you. Why did we get Micaiah, is what King Ahab is saying. Again, he said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Micaiah says this. I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. This is a very interesting passage of scripture. Micaiah is prophesying now what he is seeing, and I believe this is a, a picture of what was happening up in heaven. Um, it says, uh, verse 18, again he said, 
Hear therefore the the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake, saying, After this manner, and another saying, After this manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go out, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit. Micaiah now is saying to Ahab and Jehoshaphat, The Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these 400 prophets, and the Lord's hath spoken evil against thee. This is very interesting because, and this is off topic, but we know that Satan himself has to report to God. You know, Satan is, uh, is, is still, he, he does not rule up in heaven. This is, his, this is his domain. And so we know in the case of Job, uh, Satan was reporting to, to, to God Almighty, and God told Satan, all right, you can touch my servant Job. Here we see God saying, my will is, and we're going to find this out, Ahab at the end of this chapter is killed. But through that, God said, all right, how are we going to trick Ahab into going to battle? Because he's going to die there in uh, Ramoth Gilead, at the battle there. And uh, the Lord, it, it's interesting, isn't this? You can kind of see this. Here are these false, these, these uh, you know, either Satan or his, his uh, demons there, his uh, spirits, these evil spirits that are saying, well, I can put a lying spirit, I can, I can use these false prophets to trick Ahab into battle. And that's exactly what God allowed. And so then in verse 23, um, verse 23, it says, Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenea, came near and smote uh, Micaiah upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou hast seen on this day when thou shalt go into the inner chamber, or thou shalt see in this day when thou go into the inner chamber to hide thyself. Then the king of Israel, Ahab, said, Take ye Micaiah, carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and, and say, Thus shalt the king, or thus saith the king, Put this fellow in prison, and feed him with the barren, or bread of affliction, and the water of affliction, until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken unto me. And he said, Hearken all ye people. This is interesting. Ahab says, put him in prison, put Micaiah in prison, and let him stay there until I return from battle, and he'll see that I, that I live. And uh, Micaiah says, well, if, if you return from this battle alive, then the word of, then God's word failed. Uh, and, uh, and so, and then we, the rest of the chapter talks about how basically Ahab and Jehoshaphat uh, joined forces, the northern tr kingdom and the southern kingdom joined forces, went into battle, and they were defeated. And at the end, Ahab uh, does, does die. 
Um, this is a very interesting, uh, I wanted to read all of that because we're going to go through this. I want to bring out a few points here. And I think the first, the first thing that I want to uh, mention and, and uh, cover are there are really four main characters that we read about in this story. Four very colorful characters, in fact. And these four different men, these four different characters in the story, really picture uh, the, today's religious scene. Uh, you have Ahab. Ahab is the king of Israel, the northern kingdom there. Now, Ahab, don't uh, or understand this, Ahab was a very wicked man. He was unsaved, but yet he was connected with God's people. If we turn back, and you don't need to turn back, but back to 1 Kings chapter 16, it tells us a little bit about Ahab that he took over uh, as king there in uh, Israel. And we know in, in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 31 that he married a woman named Jezebel. Many people are very familiar with Jezebel. She was a very wicked woman. And uh, it was after marrying Jezebel that we see King Ahab introducing Baal worship to the nation of Israel. In verse um, in First Kings sixteen and uh, verse thirty two, the Bible says, "And he, that's Ahab, reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of God, the Lord God of Israel, to anger them than all the kings of Israel that were before him." Ahab was actually the seventh king there in Israel, the northern kingdom. And the Bible says Ahab did more to provoke God than all of them before him. He was a very extremely uh, wicked man. And I believe he really, uh, Ahab in this story, represents the pagan religions that are out there uh, that we have today. Now, we won't turn, uh, we don't need to turn here for the sake of time, but if you go back to or go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 20, this is, uh, we know the first part of the book of Revelation, uh, that it talks about uh, Jesus is writing that letter to the seven churches. And the fourth church that Jesus writes this letter to uh, the church there in Thyatira, he actually talks about these this uh, and we have this today there are pagan religions out there that are what they are all about is they oppose everything that's uh, that God uh, represents they are a false religion uh, or a false religious system and that is what a uh, that is what Ahab introduced into Israel this false Baal worship and Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 20, as the Lord Jesus Christ writes this letter to the pastor of the church there in Thyatira, he says, after saying a couple good things about the church, he says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And we know that 
even later on in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, it talks about the uh, gives prophecy of God's coming judgment to this world system. You know, the 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 religious system that will um, dominate during the the reign of the Antichrist is this false religion, this false uh, religious system, a pagan anti-God system. And you see, that's what Ahab introduced into Israel. And the interesting thing about false religions is they will use the Bible from time to time when it is convenient for them. When it and that's what we see here in verses four and five of getting back to our text in Second Chronicles, chapter number eighteen. We see that Ahab uh, here uh, in talking with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat said unto Ahab, "Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today." Therefore, the Bible says in verse number five, the king of Israel gathered together of prophets four hundred men and said unto them. Shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, and shall I forbear? And uh, and they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hands. And so we see Ahab, you know, putting on the facade of of inquiring with prophets and what does God want us to do in this situation? And he's talking with Jehoshaphat. We're going to talk about him in a second, but Jehoshaphat knew the Lord. And he's saying all the right things to the to the child of God, to the Christian. Let's pray. Let's inquire of God, and let's let's do things the right way. And of course, he brings out his four uh, his four hundred prophets. Now, what is interesting, um, you may recall uh, uh, Ahab and other. The Bible actually tells us quite a bit about the life of Ahab. Now, earlier in in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see, remember the the story of Elijah there on Mount Carmel? And uh, we see that it was here when uh, the Bible talks about 450 prophets of Baal, and there were 400 prophets of the grove. Now, it's these 400 prophets that... Ahab is bringing out these obviously were not the ones that were killed by the hand of Elijah there at Mount Carmel they are the 400 prophets of the grove so there were 450 had already died uh, earlier with Elijah I think Elijah personally reading the Bible if you just read it literally I think uh, there uh, with Mount Carmel remember fire came down from heaven consumed the altar there and uh, Elijah gave the prophets of Baal plenty of time to call upon their false god, and nothing happened. You know, he was asleep. And uh, afterwards, when God brought fire down, it licked up the water, uh, torched the, the, the altar. Um, the Bible specifically says that Elijah said, round up all these false prophets of Baal. And uh, that's what they did. And then it says, and he took them down to the river or the um, the brook there, and uh, very likely Elijah's one by one. All right, <laughs> time to just killed them right there by the brook. 
Well, the Bible also, in that same passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18, talks about not only the 450 prophets of Baal, but 400 prophets of the grove. And it is, it's these 400 prophets now that Ahab, they're still alive. They did not go to Mount Carmel. Now he, that is who Ahab is asking uh, for the Lord's direction from. Now Ahab here, in our, I think the king of Israel represents the pagan religions that we still have today. They're anti-God, and in the eyes of our Lord, they are an abomination on earth. But let's look also at Jehoshaphat. I mentioned that we've got these four main uh, men in our story, and they picture today's religious scene. Ahab is the pagan religion. Jehoshaphat, though, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, he was saved. He was a man that walked with the Lord. The Bible tells us this. If you turn back one chapter to 2 Chronicles chapter 17, look at what the Bible tells us about Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. The Bible says in verse number 3, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, it says, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam. But sought to the Lord God his father and, uh, and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence. And he had riches and honor and in abundance. And verse 6, and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. And so King Jehoshaphat, and usually when the Bible talks about, oh, the, your heart being lifted up, it's in the negative sense. This is actually in the positive sense. His heart was lifted up, notice, in the ways of the Lord. You know, if our hearts are to be lifted up, it's to be in this way. And so Jehoshaphat was, was blessed by the Lord. The Bible also tells us that he believed in Bible preaching and teaching and for, uh, again if we continue reading in second chronicles chapter 17 now verse number seven the bible says also in the third year of his reign he sent his princes and then it names a bunch of individuals he sent princes in verse number 18 so the princes of his kingdom partnered up with the levites those that they knew the word of the lord and then look in verse number 9, what did they do? He sent them out into Judah. And in verse number 9, it says, And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And he went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. What I'm trying to say is King, uh, King Jehoshaphat was a was a good king he was he he followed after the lord but here what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about for our lesson is one thing about king jehoshaphat for all the good that we can say about him and all the good that he did there in the southern kingdom he is noted for something and it's compromised in verse number one of chapter 18 
The Bible says that now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. God blessed him. And it goes on and says, and he joined affinity with Ahab. There's, you know, there's one, we're going to talk about this here. And what Jehoshaphat would represent in terms of the religious scene today, whereas Abraham represents all the false religion, the idol worship, he worshiped Baal, he promoted that. Everything that was anti-God, he stood with. Jehoshaphat, though, represents what has been going on for a while, and it still exists today, is, you know, really the new evangelical elements of Christianity. Understanding the Word of God and believing in it, and, um, you know, he declared the principles of Scripture. He, he promoted that throughout the land of Judah there. But really, when it came down to him, he declined to practice it. And, you know, this is today, you know, we see this in a lot of Christianity today. They will uh, believe the word of God, and they will preach the word of God, and um, they'll focus, and really what they do is they dwell on certain parts of the Bible. They'll dwell on the love of God. And who doesn't love, uh, want to hear about the love of God? Um, they will, um, you know, uh, they, uh, but they'll, they'll leave out some of the parts of the Bible. Things like they won't name sin. They won't call out seducers. They'll demand t tolerance and understanding of false teachings and false teachers. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did here. And, you know, the Bible is a book of absolutes. There is right and wrong. And that's where I believe Jehoshaphat erred here. Is he made, uh, he made provision for a false uh, king here, Ahab. He partnered with him. The Bible says he joined affinity with Ahab. And we see this even in today's religious scene. Churches that have the truth, they believe the truth, yet they allow the world in, and um, they compromise. Jehoshaphat is noted for his compromise. But real quickly, let me mention the other two characters in our story. There's Zedekiah. Zedekiah, and we, we read about him, and I don't know if you picked this up, but really, Zedekiah, you might call, is just really a showman. Verse number 10, and this is interesting. The Bible says, And Zedekiah, the son of Chenaah, had made him horns of iron. What? See, we've got this, we've got this preacher out there running around, horns of iron. Um, you know, I don't know, you know where that came from. But so people knew it was Zedekiah. He was a showman. And he was, he was a, um, what you also might call an ear-tickling liar. In verse 12, he, he basically told uh, here, um, he said, um, the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let your word, therefore, say the same thing. And uh, we see this. 
Um, and there are, um, and also the, the third thing up there, he, he mocked the truth. Notice in verse 23 that it was Zedekiah who came and smote Micaiah on the cheek. Again, doing this, I'm sure, in front of people so that they can see. What are you talking? Zedekiah was a false teacher. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 3. Paul is writing here to Timothy. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's exactly who Zedekiah was. He was all about the show. He mocked the truth. He said, this is the message, Micaiah, that you need to deliver to the kings. A message of, yeah, join forces. Come together. You've got the southern kingdom ruled by really a godly king, Jehoshaphat, and you've got the wicked King Ahab. Let's all come together. That was the message of Zedekiah. And then the last character we have is Micaiah. We have Micaiah. And, you know, um, he was the Bible-believing Baptist. (laughs) You know, he was hated by the pagan crowd. He was hated by the the ecumenical crowd. Verse number 7, we already read this. What was it? I mean, Ahab had no uh, issue telling uh, everyone what he thought of Micaiah. He said, I hate him. All he does is prophesy bad things against me. Um, he wasn't listened to because as you read on in verse 28, and we, did, we stopped at verse 27, but notice in verse number 28, after Micaiah had delivered the message and said, all right, Ahab, if you go to war, you're going to die. God has told me this. God's word says you will die. And was his message listened to? Not one bit. Not even by Jehoshaphat. It says, and so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. So completely ignored. And also, and and you know, the message that Bible-believing churches preach today the word, and it's just the word of God. God's message is ignored. It is ignored by many people. People will come into a church much like ours. They will hear the preaching. They will realize, and God may even be working on their hearts, and they will walk out as lost as they are when they came in. They will ignore it and say, nope, there's no way God, uh, God's word is true and they just don't believe it and that's exactly what ahab and uh, jehoshaphat did here they did not listen to the preacher and you know what the other thing with micaiah is even though he was hated on by the crowd even though he was ignored he just preached the truth anyway and that is what that is what uh, churches and preachers need to do. Just preach the truth anyway. And we see that uh, done in verse 16 and verse 24. But uh, here to wrap up, what I want to do, I want to I 
we're talking about uh, King Ahab, King Jehoshaphat, and the compromise that we see taking place in the life of King Jehoshaphat. And there is a cost when you compromise. And I want to give you very quickly uh, these six points. Note, I want you to note the following facts about compromise. First of all, when a Christian or when a person, uh, well, we're going to talk about a Christian. When you and I, when we compromise, notice it is always a step down. And the Bible, I believe, says it this way for a reason. In verse number 2 of Second Chronicles chapter 18, that after certain years, he went down, this is King Jehoshaphat, went down to Ahab to Samaria. Now, if you look at a map, or I already mentioned Israel was the, Ahab was king of Israel, which is the northern kingdom. And so directionally, it was up. But compromise always is a step down. Compromise always requires the godly man to do the changing. And we see that taking place. Ahab was not, he was asking Jehoshaphat, all right, you join with me. It was, it was Jehoshaphat that had to do the changing. Um, he was the one who had to leave where he was to go down to Ahab. It was Jehoshaphat that followed after Ahab, not the other way around. Ahab had the idea to go to battle. And you see, the thing about compromise is this, this very thing. It, requires, it always requires the believer to do the changing. You know, we teach our kids this when choosing friends, right? With our kids, we say, make sure you choose good friends. Why is that as parents? Why do we teach our kids uh, to choose good friends? Uh, it's because bad kids usually have the influence over the good. It usually doesn't work the other way around. Um, usually, bad influences they change the good behavior. In relationships, this is something to watch out for. When a saved individual is looking for a life partner. You know, if, uh, if you're not married and you're looking for a life partner, be very selective in who you date. Because you may say, well, you know, this person, I know they're not saved. I know they don't go to church. But perhaps if I start dating them, uh, I can bring them to church. They can get saved. Well, understand this. Compromise always requires the godly person to do the changing. It's very hard. It usually doesn't work the other way around. Compromise always presents itself with a good motive. There in verse number three, at the very end, and it's Ahab is saying, well, we will be together, be with thee in war. Now, when ally, you know, having allies in a war is a good thing right there's a there's a war going on right now and nations that are at war that have allies and is a good thing you know uh, i mean ukraine that that situation over there ukraine without having some allies some friends that are supplying you know weapons uh they may have been wiped off the face of the earth by now um and certainly uh, Russia has allies, nations that are 
that are helping them financially. And usually, before a Christian compromises, they usually have a decent reason for their choice. And what I mean by that is, here's a situation where Ahab is saying, all right, let's join forces and go to war. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And sometimes, again, um, it, uh, there's always a good motive by it. We talked about relationships. You know, the, the lost partner needs to be saved. Well, you know, getting into that relationship and knowing what the Word of God says, the Bible says to not be unequally yoked. So it shouldn't have been joined together in the first place. So you've ignored God's Word and compromised a Bible principle. And uh, even, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Christians that are looking to maybe relocate. And there may be good reasons. If God is taking you somewhere else, and that's his will for you and your family, then you ought to do it. But um, many times the Christian thinks, well, you know, financially, they're thinking about uh, the... The, the, uh, there's good motives behind it. Financially, it's going to be a good thing for my family. But they ignore the spiritual. And the spiritual would be, well, you're taking your family out of a good church. Is there another good church down there? That's secondary. You see, there's always a good motive when a person compromises. They don't compromise when it's just black and white, a bad decision. There's a compelling pressure Verse number 12, you see the pressure that was upon Micaiah uh, here to say this to the king. There's pressure, and he did not compromise. And, you know, today we have pressure. Um, society today pressures believers in so many ways. You know, you can't speak bad about other religions you know, don't mention certain sins. You know, you can't say that. And, and society places pressure on us to compromise. But compromise always in, uh, involves a loss of God's blessing. And we see that in Second Chronicles chapter 19. The very next chapter, Jehoshaphat um, is told that the wrath of the Lord is upon him. And, um, and then, real quickly, uh, the last thing, compromise once entered into, it becomes a way of life. And if you turn to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, here at the very end of Jehoshaphat's life, or towards the end of it, we basically see him compromising again. Um, we know that Jehoshaphat compromised in his life, and joined affinity with Ahab. And now it says he basically did the exact same thing um, with Ahaziah, uh, king of Israel. It says, And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself here again with the king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And you see, this is where 
compromise in the life of a believer is very, very dangerous, is it can very quickly just become a way of life. You give in uh, in one area, and you know what? You're probably going to give in down the road. It's very hard to turn this ship around. And so, um, you know, we are, there is a cost to compromising. There's a cost. But then, um, last of all, and I'll, I'll go over this, the cost of conviction. Because I think it is important for us to understand that Micaiah also paid a price. He did not compromise. We've talked about Jehoshaphat and the, his compromise, but Micaiah did not compromise. He preached God's message no matter what. And there was a cost of conviction. And it is always easier to compromise than to take a stand. But yet, God requires you and I to take the stand. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God has given us His Holy Spirit, but He has also given us the tools needed to defend against the pressure to compromise. That's why He's given us the whole armor of God, and I'm I'm just going through this because we're we're running out of time. I only have a, another minute or two. Um, but Second Timothy chapter one verse thirteen tells us to hold fast the sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ. Um, I you know I know Second Timothy chapter four and verse number two is a passage of scripture that many think is given to pastors but you know i think it can apply to all of us in the sense that we are to live lives that are in agreements with god's word and to preach you know our lives a lot of times sinners those that don't know christ they never uh they never come into a church to hear the preaching but yet our lives are to show uh is to basically we preach by the way that we live and, you know, we need to be instant in season and out of season, the Bible says. And then Jude, verse 3, tells us that we are to earnestly contend for the faith. There is a cost to conviction. If you stand and don't compromise, understand there is a cost. And this is what we see in the life of Micaiah. And we'll, we'll end with this. When you take a stand, three things, three things that we see. Number one, expect to be unpopular. That's why I wanted to read the whole passage or most of the chapter to you is you can see Micaiah was not very popular. He was hated, but he was also misrepresented. And if you take a stand, understand you will be misrepresented. And here we see Zedekiah. What did he do to Micaiah? He smote him. Uh, on right, you know, um, Micaiah, all he was doing was simply speaking for God. That's all he was doing. He was not claiming to have any special power. He was just uh, speaking for God. And yet you see Zedekiah coming in. And in verse 23, what does he say? He says to him, he smote him upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? Okay, you have to read the verses uh, ahead. 
This is a complete distortion of what is going on. Completely misrepresented. And understand this, when you and I take a stand, and we don't compromise our convictions, people will, your family will misrepresent you. They'll say, oh, you're going to church on a Sunday night, you know, and don't they put, you know, what happened to family first? And they're just, they, they will distort things. They, they're part of a cult, <laughs> you know, and it's just a complete distort. Uh, they'll distort that. And then also expect to be persecuted. And we see that in the life of Micaiah. He was thrown into prison. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There will be persecution. Now, it may not be in a prison cell, but it may uh, it comes in many forms. But here, and, and one final verse, look at verse 27 of 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Micaiah, I want to point out, and this is the key, to standing uh, for your convictions. The key is to have confidence in the word of God. Have confidence in this book. Verse 25, and we see this in the life of Micaiah. Micaiah said, and this is after Ahab said, all right, throw him into prison. And when I return from battle, he'll see that I'm alive. Micaiah said, if thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, hearken all ye people. Micaiah said, well, if you come back alive, then God's a liar. And I know God's not a liar. The Bible says it's impossible for him to lie. He's given us his word. And that is the key. The key to, uh, to not compromising the key to standing for your convictions is simply having confidence in the word of god knowing that well if god said this then it's got to be true and that is the one sure thing we have in this world so much of the so much in life today is changing what do you have confidence in the one thing we have confidence in and the only thing we can have confidence in is in the word of God. And so we see that in the life of Micaiah. Yes, there is a cost to compromise. But to not compromise, understand, there is a cost to that as well. And so I hope the lesson and the story this morning was uh, an encouragement to you and um, you are dismissed. Thanks for your attention.